Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. This is Michael Benner, your host of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Heard every Sunday, live on the internet or by telephone at 1 o'clock Pacific time. And that's, of course, 4 o'clock in the east. Good afternoon to the mainland. It's uh, still morning here in Hawaii. And good evening to, uh, to Europe. Occasionally we have listeners in Europe. It's about uh, 8 o'clock at night, Greenwich, right now, Sunday night in, uh, in England. And a little bit later as you go east in Europe. Hey, nice to be with you. As I was mentioning just before we started the podcast recording, uh, we we were on hiatus, on vacation, I guess you could you could say, for the last couple of weeks. So last week and the week before, July 4 and 11 of 2010, there were no programs. And um, I visited some family and friends and had a good time, and I'm happy to be back today. So if you're wondering about that little hole in the schedule, that's what that was all about. Um, Our topic for the day today is the healing feeling, and I'm going to talk about pain control and accelerated healing and the relationship, the fascinating relationship between the two. And there's also a parallel, though we'll be talking primarily about managing and accelerating the healing of a physical condition due to injury or illness. There are some strong parallels to emotional healing as well. It's when we face the hurt of uh, an upsetting emotion and allow ourselves to feel the emotion fully and completely that we then obtain the ability to let it go. Um, So the parallel is one that I'll mention, although our primary approach today is talk about controlling with your mind and your uh, heart, I guess you could say, with your intention and your emotional feeling nature. The physical pain that comes from illness or injury and the benefits, the accelerated healing benefits that accrue naturally as a result of that are um, very revealing for the they create a link between the nature of the pain and the nature of the healing process that helps you to understand how to get better and better and better at managing both instead of being the victim. Um, I think that's a good place to begin, actually, is um, um, illness as a victim. We are victims, of course, at times in our lives. We are caught off guard. Uh, life is a two-way street. Um, many people are of a philosophy, whether thought of as an Eastern uh, philosophy or a universal philosophy, that um, we pretty much create our reality by our thoughts. Uh, I would not argue with that, other than to point out that most of what we think are really not conscious thoughts, but um, belief systems that are being acted upon at largely a unconscious or subconscious level. And so it's conceivable that 
we're never truly a victim, that we always participate to some extent in creating our condition or at least co-creating our condition. But we're not to blame for our illness. I think if there is resistance or pushback in the medical field to the role of attitude and uh, illness and the whole mind-body connection, it's a a fear that the patient will begin to blame themselves. Uh, Hey, you're not that good, okay? (laughs) I believe uh, that a study of philosophy will take you to a place where you have to realize that whether you uh, completely create a circumstance, a situation, an event, a relationship with injury or illness, whether you are totally responsible for that, or whether more than likely you co-created that with other people, or even if you're blindsided or victimized by an event or circumstance, in this case we're talking about an illness or an injury, uh, completely out of your control, that it really doesn't matter much. What, What matters is that you're responsible for your response, your able to choose a response. There is power in focusing less on what's happened to you than what you're going to do with it. So make of it what you will, whether you think you co-create your illnesses or you're totally responsible or an absolute victim and have nothing to do with it. That'd be a a hard argument to make. consider that the power is in what you do with it. So when we talk about playing victim or finding what is often called secondary gain in illness, that that's human nature, that there is a certain reality of looking at ourselves as being victimized by illness, by by bacteria or virus or some genetic predisposition that Uh, aging itself, uh, or all manner of injury. Um, If you want to look at it as karmic, or if you want to believe you've been completely victimized, I think it matters little if you remind yourself immediately, here's an opportunity uh, to have a strong impact on my life by managing my response, instead of obsessing and fixating only on the stimulus. And again, there is such a thing as secondary gain. If you play it right, you can get off from work. You don't have to go to work. Um, you might get on disability. Uh, you don't have to go to school. People pay attention to you and send you pretty greeting cards. And, and if you're a kid, you get all the ice cream you want, flowers. There's all kinds of benefits to to being ill or even malingering. Um, And this is often referred to as secondary gain, but sooner or later, most people would rather get well. Um, I've had clients over the years ask me to help them get better uh, physically, mentally, or emotionally, but not too far, not too much better. And and (laughs) I said, what are you talking about? And they say, well, I don't want to lose my disability, so help me get better to a point, but not so independent or 
self-reliant that uh, I lose my my disability. Uh, I I couldn't do that ethically. I really think that uh, you know disability, like all forms of uh, welfare or government aid, uh, unemployment, what have you, is an important um, factor in our social net to help people in difficult times and times of transition. But um, that cannot be a lifestyle, except in the um, most extreme situations and circumstances. If we can get better, we should be getting better. And the good news is our anatomy uh, conspires to support us in this. We have an autonomic and automatic immune system that wants to heal us that automatically heals us. Healing, it seems to me anyway, is essentially the same process as growth in the first place. The growth that we see in children maturing, the growth that we try to slow down later in life, uh, the growth that is uh, aging ultimately. And for most of that cycle, uh, there's a healing process it can't, in the end, overcome aging, not yet anyway. But um, certainly all along the way, this growing or healing uh, process is, is in effect, this response almost in our body to heal itself automatically. Um, a, a broken bone once healed, uh, a... Uh, an abrasion, um, a, uh, a deep cut uh, is healed, uh, sometimes even stronger than before. You'll notice scar tissue, while it can be a problem in many situations, uh, it is stronger and, and more resilient to injury. It could be argued the body is trying to improve itself, that, that uh, muscles that are overworked in the gym, let's say, lifting weights are torn down and and the body responds automatically, autonomically, by not only repairing those muscles, but by bringing them to a greater capacity. Um, a nice little feedback loop, um, a matter of what I like to call innate intelligence, although the implications spiritually are pretty clear. There is a cosmic wind at our back. There, uh, there is within us and all living things a, a force that unfolds, that evolves, that grows, that wants to manifest, and healing is part of that. So when we talk as we are today about the mind-body connection and using attitude and belief systems and affirmation and visualization, to manage physical pain and accelerate physical healing. And as I've already suggested, there are strong parallels here to emotional pain and healing that as well that we'll touch on here but focus on more deeply in other programs. The parallels are striking. But make no mistake about it, this is not really some paranormal phenomena, nothing could be more natural, once you acknowledge that the body 
heals itself automatically. Automatically, it most things you don't you don't need to do anything to get over that common cold, that ever mutating uh, virus or bacteria that is the colds and the flus um, that we have generic terms for. There are scientific terms for for this strain and that strain and. My God, your body creates these life forms, these so-called antibodies that attack these invaders and never really eliminate them, but put them into check. And then those antibodies are there if you ever encounter that virus uh, again. Um, the, the, the point here being that while sometimes overwhelmed and the body does not recover and does not heal uh, as well as it could or should, that in the majority of small injuries and illnesses, this healing process happens automatically, that we could then accelerate or amplify that process makes perfect sense if you accept the basic premise. If, however, we take for granted the the growing, healing a process that is, as I've said, the life force itself, the Holy Spirit, the Chi, the Ki, the Kundalini, the Alam Vital, the Odic Force, the X Force, the Life Force, uh, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, uh, lots of different names for this spiritual energy that illumines and animates us. And it, the healing is essentially this life-affirming growth process. Accept that miracle, and it's easier, I think, to recognize that the ability to then accelerate or amplify this is easier to accept than as if it's some super extraordinary power that we're talking about, a gift of healing that most people don't have. I think everybody has the ability to heal. I get the boy in the bubble. I mean, there are exceptions, but um, generally, as I say, we all get better. We all get well. Uh, take two aspirin and call me in the morning is a basic stall. Um, you'll feel more comfortable after having taken the aspirin and the 12 to 18 hours it passes. <laughs> you're going to probably feel, in most cases, a lot better anyway, especially talking about the common uh, virus and bacteria of of colds and flus anyway. So I think that's an important premise to, uh, to make here, to accept, to talk about right here at the top, the idea that the body heals itself naturally in most cases. That makes it easier for us to consider that we could power that up. And so today let's talk about how to do that how to power that up. Um, the process that um, we're going to call collectively uh, pain management and accelerated healing is a process that, first of all, requires focused attention. Pain control and accelerated healing requires focused attention. If the mind is scattered, if you're easily distracted, 
usually the result of being stressed, and injury or illness is enough to stress you out, right? could even put you in the so-called shock response. And uh, there's un- countless physiological reactions that begin to take place. Many of them part of a so-called fear response that scatters our attention to increase the likelihood that we'll see any danger that may exist in the confusion. And that um, danger is less likely to sneak up on us if we're easily distracted. Well, that's normal consciousness for most people in this day and age and the society, the lifestyle that we've created for ourselves here. We're so overstimulated and overstressed, the body experiences itself or the subconscious mind experiences itself as in perpetual danger. And so that head filled with ideas competing for your attention It's really a bunch of distractions. Many people think that's the way thinking goes. This is the way we've always thought, and this is the way we're supposed to think, with eight or ten ideas shouting at us at the same time. Listen to me over here. No, I got an idea over here we got to talk about. Fear stands up and shouts everybody down. Yeah, well, what about these bills? What about, did you get the car fixed? Did you call about this? Did you do that? And all of those stresses confuse us further, make it even more likely that these voices are going to distract us. We just create a vicious cycle. And this is going to make it very difficult for us to accomplish the the pain management and the accelerated healing that we're talking about here today. So your very first job, point number one, is you've got to focus your attention. And the way to do that is you must relax. So I would say all, I want to say all, except, uh, you know, be careful of always and never, pretty much, (laughs) so maybe I'll qualify it, Uh, almost all of the pain management and accelerated healing techniques require deep relaxation, a meditative contemplative state that we go into so that the body feels safe. Safe enough to heal the injury or the illness. In other words, to be injured or to be sick, the body at a number of different levels is nervous, anxious, stressed, we've already said, uh, and afraid. Fear is the big F word, right? It's scary to be sick. And you might say, well, even if I know it's just a common cold and I'll be over in a couple of days, or even though even though I know it's just a little scrape on my finger and it'll heal with just a little cut here, I'm not worried about infection or amputation, right? Nevertheless, consider that on a cellular level, that the consciousness of the cells themselves are stressed and creating all kinds of alerts within the body that there's danger here, right? We have to override those autonomic systems consciously by telling ourselves, that is the conscious mind, 
speaking to the rest of the mind, often called the subconscious, okay? By the part of us that is sentient and alert and aware, informing the rest of mentality, hey, I know we're injured, I know we're ill, but it's no big deal, and you're safe. Safe enough to relax. Safe enough to relax and get the focused attention necessary to do the pain control and healing. Okay, you got it? This is the first part. You've got to substitute a relaxation response for a basic fight-or-flight response, warning Will Robinson, danger, danger. <laughs> you know, you've got to know, well, no, it's confusion. It's not danger. I'm just mixed up. I'm stressed. I'm overworked. I, I got too much going on. Or in this case, uh, I'm coming down with something. I'm not feeling right. Or I've injured myself. And so to create the sense of safety that allows us to relax, that creates the focused attention we need, all right? The first thing you need to do is take a couple of slow, deep breaths. To breathe is to begin to feel safe and begin the pain control and healing. The body, it seems, the brain, if you will, the subconscious mind, however you want to frame it, is concerned when it's initially sick or injured, one could argue, that this is going to continue or get worse. We don't know yet. And anything that we can do as human beings consciously to comfort this body, this brain, this subconscious mind, as you might comfort a child after a bad dream, is going to promote the relaxation, the feeling of safety, the focused attention, the concentration that we're seeking. And breath is a perfect way to begin to say to the brain, look, we're really quite safe. If we were in danger, wouldn't I be panting? Wouldn't I be holding my breath or breathing in fast, but very shallow little mini breaths, wouldn't I tend to hyperventilate? Of course, but instead, uh, I'm taking these slow, deep breaths, right? And I mean slow, deep breathing initially. Ideally, you want to inhale through the nose because it's rich in capillaries, that will pull that oxygen right into the bloodstream directly. Okay? If you're all plugged up, if you got a cold or a deviated septum, it's hard for you to inhale, okay, you've got a backup in the mouth. And, and yet, if you can, inhale at least through the nose. Pull that oxygen, that air, that oxygen mix in slowly, filling your lungs. Hold as you peak for just a beat. And then begin to exhale just as slowly, either through the nose or the mouth. Beyond where you'd normally stop, go a little further, a little further, all the way out. Pause for a beat and then take another inhalation. 
Now, most people will initially have a problem doing this slowly, but in practice, you can get it down to six or five or even four breaths per minute. As you feel safer, you need less oxygen. It's easier for the body to work all of its miracles uh, as you become more and more relaxed. So you have a little built-in kind of a biofeedback indication here of how stressed or how relaxed you are, relatively anyway, by how slow you're able to breathe. The, the, The more you can slow it down, the more successful you are being now at creating this sense of safety, this relaxation, and the concentration will accrue naturally. The voices that have been distracting you because the fear was you're in danger, they will cease, they will drop away. Not only will your mind become in time more quiet, but your emotional nature will become more calm. You'll be less disturbed. This is important to understand the order because many people think you have to quiet the mind and calm your emotions in order to meditate. And instead, we do the meditation to, to calm the mind and quiet the emotions. So with practice, any meditative, contemplative, introspective kind of relaxation exercise even simple progressive muscular relaxation or or autogenics. We've talked about these systems in the past. We'll talk about them more in the future. We'll touch on them today. There are so many different relaxation technologies or psychotechnologies in, in this mind-body field that the important thing for me in this lesson anyway is to talk about what they all have in common. And this slow, deep breathing and your ability to go even more slowly, to feel even more safe, to relax even further, to create that actual letting go feeling in your body, dropping muscular tension, even feeling warm in your extremities is another example. Visualizing in your mind's eye uh, a garden, a beautiful place of perfect and awakening all of the imaginary senses in a visualization exercise. All of these promote the the feeling of safety, the relaxation, and the concentration that we need with a quiet mind and a calm heart to be most effective at using the mind-body connection, this natural, normal, built-in mind-body connection to consciously manage pain and thereby accelerate the healing process. To, to, again, say to the physical body, it's just a cold, I'll be over it in a couple of days. Or I could be, with, with these kinds of techniques, if you get on a so-called cold or a flu fast enough, the minute you notice symptoms, there's a good chance you can avoid it altogether. If you wait a day, 24 hours goes by after you first notice a slight little tickle in the throat or a funny feeling in your nose. 
you wait a day to see if, in fact, you're right, <laughs> you may have waited a day too long. And then you can manage symptoms with visualization and relaxation and these related technologies and, and reduce the overall time period. But I'm suggesting if you jump on it right away, the minute you, I, have, I still have my tonsils, so I get a good warning. There's a lot of research that shows tonsils play a role in the body's immune system. And one of the things they do for me is indicate a day in advance that I'm catching what commonly we call a cold or a flu. And so um, if I'm on my game, I stop immediately, close my eyes, or as soon as I can stop doing some activity, whatever I've been doing, and and breathe and relax and close my eyes and do some of the, or one of the related techniques we'll touch on today, I can often avoid that cold or flu altogether. Um, but sometimes, often it'll be after the fact, the uh, illness, the the disease. That's an interesting word too, isn't it? Dis-ease, stress, not at ease. We've always known uh, that there's an attitudinal component in illness. This is why a doctor's bedside manner and his whole attitude or her whole attitude uh, is is so important. This is also in the placebo effect, the importance of the way a treatment is administered to a patient in a positive context because it empowers the therapy, it empowers the treatment. And placebo effect has to be seen, I think, by the medical establishment and by patients as well as not just some nuisance in testing medications and drugs and other therapies, but as a, 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 an opening into an extraordinary opportunity that we have to empower our um, healthcare providers, the, the, the men and women who assist us, and for them to do the same with their patients, on behalf of their patients, with by promoting positive attitude, so-called bedside manner, and not replace therapy necessarily, though that may be the case. This may be the only therapy needed in some cases, but also to underscore, to reinforce, to to support whatever therapy uh, you may be getting, whether it's uh, a pharmaceuticals or uh, occupational physical therapy or surgery or, or um, uh, whatever the case may be, recovery uh, from surgery and the pain control that goes with that as well. Okay, so we're talking about beginning with as soon as possible, with the uh, symptoms, the pain, the, the, the discomfort that is an indication of the disease process beginning or an injury having taken place. And then putting your attention in these states of deep relaxation directly upon the painful feeling so as to release it and promote healing. And this is the second key point, it seems to me, in this whole process, is you've got to feel it in order to heal it. 
Now, it's in our interest to feel physical pain and discomfort and other subtle feelings that things aren't quite right, uh, sort of an achy Things aren't (laughs) going very well. It's hard to describe, you know, even how we feel when we feel great is difficult to describe. Sometimes I am intrigued by how good I feel how much of the time and how rare it is that I feel off my game, you know, have a headache or a bellyache or a cramp someplace, you know, you feel pretty good most of the time, most people. And yet when pain or discomfort comes up, I understand the tendency to want to resist it, to push it away, to ignore it or deny it. I understand it because I've seen this human nature in myself, the tendency to ignore or deny a problem. I had to laugh at myself uh, as a young man. I I was in my mid-20s when I first came to Los Angeles from the Midwest. And it took me a while to find gainful employment. And during those initial weeks and and months, uh, my van, this big Dodge van I used to drive around, uh, started making a funny sound. And I I was way out on a freeway on the edge of a town. I had no road service. Uh, you know, I had liability insurance, but didn't really have the money that it was going to take to fix my truck. And I didn't even know what was wrong with it. I was just, oh, no, it started making this horrible noise. And I turned the radio up real loud. Now, uh, I'm not stupid. I, I, I knew what I was doing, that I was playing this denial game. Um I guess you could say there was two of me. There there may have been some part of me that thought if I didn't know about it, it couldn't possibly happen. Uh, but, you know, there was this other part of me that just didn't want to deal with it right then and was in a kind of temporary denial. So we'll turn the radio up real loud and maybe nothing bad will go wrong. It's sort of like, the gauges on the dashboard of your car, you know, you don't want them to indicate anything's wrong. You don't want to run out of gasoline when you're far from the city. You don't want your oil pressure to get too low or your water temperature to get too high. But to ignore that, to to mask over the dashboard of the car with uh, cardboard or heavy brown wrapping paper or something, certainly is not going to prevent a problem from occurring. It just prevents you from knowing about it. And uh, so I understand that process. And any time pain or discomfort comes up in your body, there's a part of us that doesn't want to know about it, that's going to push it away. But again, the, the whole role of pain and the way the body heals itself in the larger scheme of things. Again, growth, healing, being the purpose of life, the meaning of life, the unfoldment, the evolution uh, of life. There is this, this mandate, this, this mandatory drive to be born, to live, uh, 
to aspire to know more, uh, to learn is to heal, is to grow, is to evolve. Um, Sagioli talks about it like the flower that turns to the sun, stretching, reaching toward the source of its life. I think we all have that. And talking about healing and pain control is a natural thing. To me, that's that's part of the bigger picture. And that, then, as I've already said, if we could, like, manually uh, focus in on that in states of deep relaxation, use a focused, passionate, concentrated mind, then we could amplify and accelerate this whole natural process. But then it's a natural process is my point. We're just uh, taking advantage of our awareness of it to get even better and better at it. At some point, everybody will do this. Um, I expect very quickly because the empirical research is coming online. This this type of uh, hypnosis or self-hypnosis for pain control and the accelerated healing that naturally accrues uh, is as old as time itself. It can be traced in the secret societies back to uh, Tibetan Buddhism and uh, and Egyptian uh, alchemy. Uh, and yet now, uh, it's moving rapidly out of superstition and paranormal this or that uh, as empirical science begins to understand the, the physical reasons uh, for the mind-body connection having such a, a, a strong impact in this area. So the pain's got to get through. You've got to know about it, right? There's no point masking over the dashboard or turning the radio up when you feel pain or discomfort. The secret is to put your attention on it. If I am pain and I'm pushing through, trying to get your attention, to let you know that there is an injury or illness that needs your attention, okay, that this organism benefits from you being aware of the fact through these symptoms of pain and discomfort that your body is getting sick or has been injured and it needs your help. This is pretty high brain functioning to get your awareness. So, if you understand that process, then you're not going to push the pain away. Because if you try to push the pain away, again, ignore it or deny it or resist it in any way, what is the pain going to have to do to get through to you? It's going to have to increase its amplitude. It's going to have to get stronger. Its response to your response is to push even harder against your resistance. So you resist even more. Ignoring, denying, doing whatever you can to take your mind off it, right? Self-medicating with drugs, uh, uh, alcohol, um, taking uh, lots of aspirin, Tylenol, uh, whatever you can do. to massage, to to try to get rid of this pain and discomfort. But the general mental tendency is to turn away, to ignore it, to deny it. 
And even if we did try to put our attention on it, remember, that attention is scattered by the stress of normal consciousness in the 21st century lifestyle. Eight, ten ideas competing for your attention at once. That means any one of those ideas is going to get only a small fraction of your attention. And if you jump into the middle of that with the intention to manage pain, it's only going to get a little fraction of your mental awareness and your power. So it's got to be, number one, your intention to face the pain, to feel the pain, to do that in a relaxed level, telling your body it's safe enough to relax and provide the focused attention, the concentration, to really feel fully and completely the discomfort. See how counterintuitive this is? It's exactly the opposite of what you've always done, push the pain away. If you bring it to you, if you face it, if you embrace it, if you feel it fully, then you have the ability, you've empowered yourself to let it go. You let the signal through. And we're hardwired in this way. Once that signal gets through, the body, the, the brain, the subconscious mind, choose your paradigm, says, oh, uh, we can shift now from the fear response and being defensive, trying to protect ourselves, to the healing mode. We can shift gears. We can now accept that we've been injured or that we're ill or sick and begin to focus our attention on that. And brainwave shift and the, and the, the various uh, chemicals or compounds that are generated in the brain and by the brain change their very nature. The, the electrochemistry of the brain changes, uh, blood flow, uh, the, this whole concept of uh, what's it called now, neuroplasticity and psychoimmunology, immunology, uh, big, barely pronounceable words for the, these processes that are now being recognized by the empirical scientists. They have their CAT scans, they have their MRIs, they're, they're looking at electrical activity and blood flow in remarkable new ways. And it's confirming folk medicine and <laughs> these, these old traditions that have often been carried in the pre-industrial societies by the magicians and the the medicine men and, and women, the witches and, and the pagans, the, the healers, the herbologists, the people close to nature. But what it comes down to, even those who are mixing up pills and powders and potions, is relaxation. This is where faith healing comes in. The whole idea of laying on of hands and spiritual healing is you turn it over to a higher power your faith is going to result in a letting go process. That's the secret 
the relaxation and the letting go that allows you to feel fully and completely your pain or discomfort, to examine it as if it had color, texture, temperature, to feel it fully. You know, whether chronic or even the most acute pain, to in a sense allow the pain to come upon you, to get all over you, to allow yourself to be swallowed up by the discomfort is to then allow yourself to be able to let it go. It's like uh, you're in a building that uh, uh, has a fire alarm on it. This loud alarm is ringing. The building begins to burn as the the, the alarm begins ringing as the building is burning. Uh, well, once the fire department is there, somebody could, you know, they can turn off their sirens and somebody could turn off the alarm in the building. Like, okay, we got the message. The building is burning. We called the fire department. They've arrived. The immune system is engaged, right? Now we can turn off the alarm. We don't have to feel the pain anymore. It got our attention. And we responded by putting our attention fully and completely on the pain, but again, in altered states of expanded awareness, in meditative or contemplative states brought about by deep relaxation, letting go of physical stress and tension. Slow, deep breathing to convince the body it's safe in spite of this discomfort and pain. Safe enough to allow the mind to begin to quiet Six ideas, four ideas at a time, two ideas at a time. Finally, focused attention right on the discomfort. This is how it feels. Learn all about it. Understand that this was necessary for you to bring yourself into these quiet, calm states. Now you can visualize the pain going away Feel in your body the pain ebbing away, draining slowly away. And affirm that the body will heal itself, even perhaps doing a guided imagery meditation or visualization exercise of what that looks like. Okay? Now that's the basics. That's not hard. That's pretty much it. Let's take a couple of quick examples, and then we'll go to questions. Those of you who are with us live, most folks listen to this program, of course, as a podcast. But if you're with us live on Sundays, um, you can participate on the web with the text box. Type your message, add your name and city, and click Submit, and we'll go to those in a few minutes. And if you're listening on the telephone today, um, press star 2, and that'll raise your hand on my console. It'll signal me, and I can unmute calls uh, one at a time. And I'd really like your questions uh, uh, today and your comments as well. So we'll do that in a minute. Let me give you a couple of quick examples of how this works. Uh, first of all, it's a real good idea to use your own frames of reference. So although I'm going to give you examples, 
you don't have to do the exercise exactly the way I teach it or somebody else might teach it. Whatever is your particular, well, again, way of looking at things, your frame of reference, those are the symptoms. Better said, what am I trying to say? Those are the symbols, okay, the allegory that you're going to most respond to. You're already thinking in those terms. For example, let's take a headache, a common stress, tension headache, right? You unconsciously, through thousands and thousands of little micro-movements in your scalp, are creating more and more muscular tension. That squeezes capillaries, it affects blood flow. Too much blood here, not enough blood there, you get a headache. How does that headache feel? Now, maybe there's somebody listening who actually has a headache right now and could answer, but most of us would have to look back in our memories and think, well, I guess generally it feels like a clamp around my head that's being like those radiator clamps that you with the worm drive, you turn the screw and the clamp gets tighter and tighter. Well, if that's the frame of reference that occurs to you, then when you do your breathing and your relaxation and you get into an alpha brainwave state, feeling safe, relaxed, focused attention, quiet mind, calm nature disposition, a nice floaty daydreaming kind of feeling, not unlike the the place you go when you daydream or watch TV, except you're doing the programming, all right? <laughs> if it occurs to you that your headache pain, in this example, feels like a clamp, then get a screwdriver in your mind's eye and visualize yourself reversing the screw and unclamping, Right? If it occurs to you that all the capillaries in your scalp are are uh, being um, uh, squeezed tighter and tighter, then you could imagine those capillaries dilating just a little bit and the muscles around them relaxing. You could put your attention on the space around your ears do this now. This is quite amazing for most people the first time they do it. Put your attention even now in the space around your ears. Take just one slow, deep breath and relax. Feel the letting go in your body. And then notice what happens in the space around the ears when you relax your scalp even further. As you feel now the letting go in the scalp, your ears will sag or droop a little bit, even though you thought you were already beginning to relax. You see? Those are little tools and tips and tricks that you pick up along the way. If your headache feels like a, a migraine or a cluster headache, uh, like... Um, an ice pick stabbing you behind the eyes. Well, the first thing I would do is throw away the ice pick. And then I would imagine some sort of healing. I would imagine beams of light 
directed at that area. I would imagine little fingertips inside my skull massaging some special cream or balm or salve into that area. I would run a little time-lapse movie of the area just healing over, you see, through processes that I do not understand but know to be true. And now, see, like a time-lapse movie, greatly accelerated over real time. Maybe 10 days of healing could happen in 10 seconds or 10 minutes. Um, after all, it wasn't really an ice pick going into the back of your of your eyeball in this case, right? Um, if it just feels like there's a lot of pain gathering inside your head, sometimes a uh, I remember doing this technique years ago, and it, it it felt all red inside my head and angry, but it was like dirty crankcase oil, like dirty red crankcase oil, and I just imagined a drain plug uh, on the base of my neck, the base of my skull at my neck, and pulled the drain plug. Again, not in normal awareness, with eight or ten thoughts demanding my attention, but in a safe, relaxed state, having closed my eyes and taken some slow, deep breaths until the mind gets quiet and I can concentrate and feel fully and completely this this headache and now even imagine this crankcase, my brain, right, full of this dirty red oil and I just pull the plug and imagine it being drained out that 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 drain hole and actually can feel with my imagination inside my head little by little the pain diminishing just a little bit at a time um, and you say that to yourself you know, every moment that passes the pain becomes less and less it's best if you phrase that in a positive way every moment that passes I feel better and better so whatever is the the way in which you see the pain or discomfort, work with that frame of reference. Uh, I talked about my tonsils. You may still have your tonsils or understand how a sore throat feels. Um, if you get a cold or a flu, a runny nose or the post-nasal drip, the, the drug manufacturers have done a real good job if nothing else, of describing the symptoms for you. So run a little make-believe TV commercial inside your head, in your mind's eye, in these meditative states, with a focused concentration that allows you to let go of your resistance to pain and feel it fully and imagine it as completely as you can and then you visualize it getting better and better, always working from a negative image of the problem or the malady, the illness itself, however it occurs to you, forward toward natural health. Emphasize in your self-talk natural, all right? Even over normal, normal may not be very healthy, natural health. 
you don't want to compensate or overcompensate. In other words, if you have uh, high blood pressure, you don't imagine yourself having low blood pressure. You imagine it uh, being natural blood pressure. Again, normal. You depends on what the word means to you. Normal may not be natural. Normal may be average, which could be too high. Um, but it's what the word means to you and the way you use it. Intention is everything. Okay, the best synonym for will, free will, or willpower is intention, and that creates your outcome. That's what karma is. That's what manifesting your dreams is about. That is what determination and perseverance and the can-do spirit is all about. It's intention, right, as a belief system, forming an intention, and then following it through with passion, as if the intention is an energy, and your faith, your passion, or your belief in it, the emotional bit, is the force behind the energy. The thought is the energy. The feeling is the force. It's a lot like electricity, actually. Um, mentioned this before. It's a wonderful allegory. Mental energy or thought is very much like the amperage in an electrical circuit. It's the volume of electricity. It's it's the ideation, Plato would call it, intention or willpower. And then the voltage is the electromagnetic force or the push behind it. That's the emotional nature. So if you form the intention in these deeply relaxed states of mind where you have all of your attention focused on one thing, you allow yourself to feel that pain and discomfort fully and completely, move at it, surrender to it, let it come upon you, take you over, even swallow you up, you will survive it and you will feel it immediately as it peaks, beginning to fall away. Because now you've received the memo. You got the letter. You took the message from the body's immune system that says you need to know about this, especially if you're going to participate in the healing process. Message received. In a deeply relaxed state with all of my attention focused on it, a meditation using visualization or guided imagery perhaps, positive self-talk and affirmation. I felt it fully and completely and then was immediately able to let it go, which if you did nothing else would promote the healing. But again, this is like the benefit of the visualization part of this, the so-called guided imagery or guided meditation or visualization um, let's do a couple other examples. We talked about the headache. I started talking about the tonsils. If you just imagine white light on these swollen tonsils, um, or <laughs> sounds silly, but when I first learned these techniques as a young guy, the first time I, I used them on uh, cold or flu and, and swollen tonsils was one of the first indications or symptoms of uh, pain and discomfort that I was coming down with cold. What I visualized were dozens of little tiny microscopic firemen with yellow turnout jackets on and their little 
microscopic uh, fire hoses and and ladders, and they were swarming all over my tonsils, putting out the fire, hosing it down. And as I practiced this, my imagination continued on with, well, it's not just water. They're spraying a special uh, uh, liquid, uh, anti-inflammation uh, 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 compound or chemicals being sprayed by these microscopic imaginary firemen on my tonsils. And um, I, I can imagine the fire cooling. I can feel with every moment that passes, the swelling is going down and the, and the fire in my tonsils, the discomfort of the sore throat is lessening, becoming less and less, and I'm feeling better and better. And I'm imagining that uh, in a few minutes when I open my eyes from this exercise, I feel even better. And the next morning when I wake up, I'm going to be all over this. It's going to be totally gone, and I expect to feel healthy and natural and invigorated and refreshed and revitalized. All these positive words are feeling great. And you just hold that thought, remembering that these affirmations, uh, these positive thoughts are like seeds that you're planting in your mind. And you do indeed reap what you sow, thoughts, dreams, intention, belief system, um, you know, karma, uh, cause and effect, whatever you, you want to, law you want to talk about, this universal law of manifestation of cause and effect, it's thoughts that the intention I mentioned that really is the seed, and then to care about it, to have the passion, to believe in it, or the faith, if you will, you bring in faith healing and laying on of hands and the spiritual side of this and and that is an even deeper letting go and an acknowledgement that you're going to get better anyway so let's accelerate the process right and all of that um, really um, will work for you and will show you benefit especially as you practice it and, and get better and better Whatever is your frame of reference, you don't have to use the little fireman on your tonsils. You could just imagine white light or just a time-lapse movie of the redness and the swelling being reduced. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, a, a cut. Um, I talked about moving to Los Angeles uh, when I was a young guy in my mid-20s and not having any work for a while. Well, my girlfriend uh, came with me, and, and she was working in an ice cream store at that time while I was looking for better employment. And she cut herself on the rim of one of these big ice cream tubs, but she was alone in the store, and there was a hot day, and there were a bunch of people in the store, and they're starting to line up, and she can't stop and tend to this cut, but it's bleeding rather freely. So she just holds it with her thumb, takes like maybe 10 seconds to take a breath, to just stop, to close her eyes. She said she took one slow, deep breath, and as she exhaled that breath, she sent the breath in her imagination, in her mind's eye, into that cut, 
saw it healing over like a time-lapse movie, like, uh, you know, in the second or two, the bleeding stops, it heals over. And then she took another breath, opened her eyes, it appeared the bleeding stopped, she worked the rest of the afternoon, didn't even think about it till that night. And then realized what she had accomplished. She can't be bleeding in the ice cream here, right? But she couldn't really take five minutes to go and back and wash it off and and put a Band-Aid on it and all of that. See? So from these minor uh, injuries um, or illnesses like a headache or sore throat, all the way out to heart disease and cancer, there's certainly no shortage of literature available now on using these relaxation technologies, the mind-body connection, to accelerate healing by managing the pain. Um, I think a classic, a very early and important book from the mid-70s that talks about this with cancer patients is a book called Getting Well Again. I'm sure it's still in print. Millions of copies of this book were sold by a, a doctor named Simonson. O, first initial O, middle name Carl, last name Simonson. Like simple Simon, Simonson. O, Carl Simonson, Dr. Simonson. And then um, I believe his wife and uh, a third person helped him. I don't remember their names, but it's Dr. Simonson and two others. Getting Well Again from the mid-70s, talking about using these very techniques of relaxation, focused concentration, and states of deep relaxation, guiding imagery or visualization with positive narratives and self-talk to put cancer into remission. Um, very important uh, study he uh, recounts in this book that I remember was was asking children how their cancer occurred to them. And he would, first of all, have them again close their eyes and relax and breathe slowly and get into a nice dreamlike alpha brainwave state and say, um, so what's your cancer look like? What's the first thing that pops into your head and after a brief pause one child he he recounts in this case study said oh well my cancer is a rat a very big ugly rat it's a sewer rat disgusting and uh, Dr. Simonton says well now imagine the therapy that you're getting the treatment um the chemo and radiation, whatever he was getting at the time. And how does that occur to you? And the boy says, well, I, I never really thought of it this way before, but right now what's coming to mind is little yellow pills in the blood bouncing along. And The doctor says, well, what happens when the little yellow pills get to the rat? And the boy says, oh, it makes the rat very angry. What happens to the rat? Well, the pills disappear and the rat gets stronger. 
little boy never consciously thought these thoughts, but there they are. And obviously had been embedded in the boy's subconscious so that his belief systems were empowering the disease process while debilitating the effectiveness of the therapy. So why not turn that movie around? Why not make the cancer weak and the therapy powerful? And so what Dr. Simonton told him to do was think of the cancer not as a rat, but as a snail or a bunch of snails or slugs. And the therapy is going to be, and this was based on a book you saw the boy was reading, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, was Sir Galahad on this bold steed charging, you know, all in armor and the, and the spear and the javelin, whatever they call it, charging down the hill and three times a day for 15 minutes. The prescription was for the boy to close his eyes, go into the alpha state, focused passion state, and begin to visualize the white knight spearing the snail. And his brain tumor got smaller and eventually went into remission and disappeared. Another of Dr. Simonton's clients uh, loved Star Wars in the late 70s. And um, in a follow-up book that Simonton did, talked about he was um, Luke Skywalker and he would three times a day for 15 minutes per session imagine himself once in these states of deep relaxation as the fighter pilot of the Millennium Falcon and bam, 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 shooting the Death Star and his tumor got smaller and went away. Does it always work? No. Do we know why sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't? I think the doctors and the researchers are beginning to figure it out. But if you had a technique that could do no harm, that might help and sometimes could heal you miraculously, and again, what's the harm of fantasizing that you're going to get better? Disappointment? You can you can deal with disappointment, and uh, you know we haven't even talked about use of um, this mind over matter um, or mind body connection pain management at the dentist. But this is another area. I've done this for thirty five years. I've had root canals. I've had actual extractions of teeth. Uh, lots of drilling. Um, with no anesthetic or uh, um, drug of any kind by using a visualization exercise similar to what we've talked about. Imagine the area in ice uh, being frozen numb. I imagine throwing switches, and I use a positive affirmation of um, only pleasant and pleasurable feelings. I used to say no pain, no discomfort, but... The problem is it's too negative. If I say, uh, do not think of a zebra, a zebra will pop into your mind. So if you say, make this pain go away, no pain, no pain, (laughs) you're just visualizing the pain, you're reinforcing the pain. 
um, don't think of an American flag, there it is. So you have to put your attention on what you do want. The secret is not to avoid what you don't want. To put your attention directly on the pain, feel it, move through it, and always be positive in your affirmation. So I went from um, no pain, no discomfort, to only pleasant and pleasurable feelings. And I can feel everything he's doing in there, everything the dentist does. I can taste the latex on the glove, uh, feel the vibration of the drills and the rasps and all of that. Uh, Feel the water from the little water jets, right? Um, Everything except pain, just it's as, it's, it's as if some sort of filter or choke is put in place to allow all the sensation to come through, but nothing you could describe as pain. If it began to get to that point, like if I'm in the chair for 30 minutes, 45 minutes or more, and I may have to reapply the technique, but it's just a matter of taking another breath and relaxing even more and feeling yourself going deeper, more relaxed, letting go, letting go, and you reestablish, okay? Because the doctor may be getting closer to a nerve, see? So you may have to reapply and go deeper. There's so much to this that it's difficult to summarize in an hour, but there you go. That's uh, that's my best shot at it. So. Let's uh, see if we can get some feedback, some questions, or some uh, comments here. And I'm going to check the phones first. And good, we have uh, quite a few people on the line. And I was hoping Diane was going to call in Albuquerque because Diane has uh, a wonderful experience of this that we've talked about in the Thursday night video conference. Let me bring her on. Uh, hi, Di- oh, let's see. Yeah, that unmutes. Hi, Diane. Welcome to the Mystery School. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't unmute right. Try it now. How about now, Diane? Are you there? No. I wonder. Oh, this is me. I'm unmuting. I see what the deal is here. Let me try this. Diane, how about now? Are you with us now? I am with you. Can you hear me? I can. I can hear you now. I was pushing the wrong button. And thanks for calling. This is a topic I, uh, I almost called you yesterday and said, I hope you'll be with us today so you can tell your story. I would not have missed it. This was wonderful. Good. So you can relate to all of this. Absolutely. I can relate beginning with the beginning that being ill, because I I hadn't been ill very often in my life, has a tremendous amount of benefits that I was not aware of until I became really ill. And then I was just you know, embraced by all this love and caring and doting. And, and yes, I didn't have to go to work. And I had a high, you know, a high-stressed job with 10, 12-hour days. And no longer I didn't have that. So for me, 
one of the wonderful things about recovery was it was a joy, an absolute joy in so many ways. To get better again. Exactly. So tell us the story. I know the story, but tell our listeners the story of uh, how you manage pain, how you learned to do this. Okay. Um, I had a major surgery where they rebuilt my cervical spine, and they went in from the front of my neck. So um, it was what they call an anterior disectomy with um, fusion on three levels. And uh, I knew the surgery would be perfect because I had an excellent doctor, And I knew my job pretty much was to grow my own bone back through my cervical spine and rebuild my spine along with their metal cages. They used metal cages and cadaver bone and metal plate with seven screws. So um, I was prepared for that. And then shortly after surgery, uh, I believe on the third day, I woke up and I realized I had thrush. So I... I had been moved to my daughter's house to a hospital bed and um, at her house. And so I told her to call the doctor and get something for the thrush. And, of course, because I had a great MD, he insisted I come into the office. Well, after a surgery like that, your neck is real weak, and it's, you know, it's all you can do to hold your little head up. So... um, I wasn't real happy about it, but I went in, and when I went to the doctor, I found out that I had pneumonia and an allergic reaction to pain medication. Not good news. (laughs) So basically, I was very clear that I needed to have the perfect healing and the perfect recovery to go along with the perfect surgery or all that energy my doctor had used would have been for naught. And I was very clear that, and always had been in my life, that if you have pain, you you won't heal because you'll be focused on your pain and not your healing. Right. It's almost like the body thinks it's getting sicker or still being injured. Right. And And you're not really focusing on getting better and better and better and the things you can do to get better. Right. And you're pulling back on on taking walks, which I needed to do. If I had pain, I wouldn't want to take those walks. If I had pain, I wouldn't want to go to physical therapy, et cetera. So, because I needed to learn to walk again. So, um, I basically um, had an experience in the car going to get a chest x-ray where I... I went through my body. I Number one, I, I realized I've got to get rid of this pain. I'm not too sure how to do this. I don't know where to take it. Well, I can't worry about that now. I need to get rid of it. So I went through my body and gathered all my pain. And um, first I, I pulled the first bit of pain out of my chest, which was from the pneumonia. And um, it was long black squiggly things like snakes, which I don't like, or worms, which I don't like. So I went, this isn't going to work. And so I turned them into pretty ribbons of pretty colors that I like. 
And so I gathered the pain out of my out of my chest and I put the ribbons over my arm and then I went up through my neck and gathered that pain and pulled the ribbons over my arm. And then I thought, well, while I'm at it, I'll pull the discomfort in my back from sleeping on hospital beds, which are not really comfortable, and I'll pull all that out. So I pulled all that out, and I went... As long as you're at it, right? Might as well. At it, let's get a good job done. If you got a hang... You got a, 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 a hangnail, you might as well throw that in, too. Exactly. Throw now, in are you it. doing all of this, Diane, in a relaxed state of mind? I was I was riding in the car. Right. So I was really sick and, and not feeling too good, but I had just kind of taken a deep breath and decided that, you know, okay, you got to get rid of your pain. you gotta, you got to do this so you can move forward. So I, I think I was pretty much in alpha. Right. When that happened, and um, so then I gathered pain out of my hip from sleeping on the bed wrong, and my leg, and my ankles, and feet, and everywhere. Well, all of a sudden, then I realized that my arm had a lot of ribbons on it, and they were very heavy. And I went, "Wow, pain is really heavy." And I remembered that my neurosurgeon had said, "By the way, don't pick up anything heavier than half a glass of water." And so I thought, I'm going to be in deep trouble. I need to get rid of this pain. And then, of course, but you don't, I thought, you don't know how to do that. I thought, I can't worry about that right now. I'm just doing it. So I didn't look for a door, didn't look for a way. I took it out of the right side of my head into this nice, open, dark area. And then I looked at my ribbons, and I looked at the ground, and I thought, well, I can't put my ribbons on the ground because somebody might walk by and they'd see these pretty ribbons and then they'd want them and they'd pick them up and somebody'd have my pain. So I kind of yelled out to the space and said, uh, yo, I, I need a box. Could you give me a box? I need to put my pain away and I need a box. And I saw a box up ahead of me. So I went over to the box and put all my ribbons in it. And then I realized that you could still see the ribbons in the box. Somebody would walk by and go, oh, what pretty ribbons. They'd grab my ribbons, and then they'd have my pain. So I said, excuse me, I don't want to bother you again, but I need a top to my box. So lo and behold, there's a top to the box. I put the top on the box and realized, well, it's a pretty interesting box. I better lock it because somebody's going to come by and open this box, take my ribbons, and get my pain. So once again, I I kind of yelled out, it's the last time I'm going to bother you. Can I have a lock and a key, please? And there was a lock and key. I locked it and went, okay, it's in the universe, but it's locked in a box and came back into my body and never had pain again. And I never experienced the pain or discomfort people have in physical therapy or from the surgery or from anything else. You know, we hear people use the phrase, just your imagination, to discount our dreams. And yet, one of the most knowledgeable people of the last century, Albert Einstein, is famous for having written that imagination is more powerful than knowledge. And when I hear somebody say, just your imagination... 
it always concerns me because they obviously have no idea that that all that exists begins with imagination, um, at least against the backdrop of nature. Um, we've been given a garden. We were born in a garden, so to speak. But all all that exists, for better or for worse, good and bad, you know, the upside and downside of everything we've manifested, it all started with imagination and mostly unconscious imagination. You're talking about making it conscious. It's a, a pleasure to listen to the play, you, the way you play with your imagination. And again, in normal consciousness, you could never have done that. You could not have done that while you were driving, for example, with your eyes open. But, uh, or, um, you know, doing any of the other busy activities that we do throughout the day. But to sit quietly and close your eyes, to relax and feel safe, and to dare, you know, this is the courage here, to dare to embrace that pain. I mean, you had to grab a hold of it. You, you had to look at those snakes before you turned them into ribbons. Right. And again, but, but I forgot, you know, I didn't mention one little other thing, and that was kind of that, that experience I had, whether you want to look at it as a hallucination or a little spiritual experience. But while I was in the car, before this happened, the sun hit my face. I was hot from fever, and with the sun on my face and trying to hold up my neck, pretty much overwhelmed by it all. And um, I was really wondering, am I going to be able to walk in and get a chest X-ray and keep standing and holding this head up? And um, I all of a sudden kind of went into this windshield changed into three panels. And I, was, I went into the, through the middle panel of the windshield, still seeing where we were going. My eyes were open. But I was all of a sudden floating. So maybe you would say, Michael, that that was alpha, oh, right? Yeah, okay. definitely. Okay, so I was floating. All of a sudden, my head wasn't so hard to hold up. And also, a cool mist hit me. And I was cooled off, and it felt wonderful. And it was dark around me, but I didn't feel alone. And it felt like I was getting a lot of knowledge just filling my body, and this message over and over, all things are possible. All things are possible. Well, that actually sounds a little deeper. That's uh, probably high theta, uh, which is associated with very strong um, imagery. The technical term is hypnagogic imagery, and that's where it's difficult to separate a daydream from a night dream from um, receiving imagination to projecting imagination. Um, there, is, there is no either or. There is the, the polarities are lost there. It's, it's just I am this dream. I'm in this dream. And if uh, accompanied by that kind of really strong imagery, um, you're probably even deeper than alpha. But that's the window between awake and asleep. And we know we're there when we feel that sort of unusual 
some people call it out-of-body experience or just a floating experience in the body. The mind is quiet and the heart is calm. That's all there is to it. And then while there, the last thing that happened was, although no one was speaking to me and I saw no one, I it was like someone was telling me, you know, you can stay, which is this wonderful place where I'm floating, I'm cooled off, I'm feeling healthy, no discomfort whatsoever. And so my first thing was, yes, I'll stay. And then I immediately thought of my daughter and went, no, I can't, Kristen. And shoop, I flew back into that third section of the windshield area where I still see the panoramic view, but I'm back in the real world with the noise, with the sounds, with that hot sun on my face, with the discomfort trying to hold up my neck. But I had made a decision during that experience to stay. And I'd come back with very clear thought that all things are possible. Yeah, that, that this this is even beyond your experience goes even beyond uh, what I'm uh, talking about today. It includes it, but uh, you know, as a metaphysician, a philosopher, a mystic myself. Uh, that to me is an experience of the soul on its own plane where um yeah you did make a decision i think you as soul as the higher self as the spiritual eternal self made a decision about what to do in this body it wasn't your ego that made that decision and uh we can access that when we let go of everything that's not love. You know, when we let go of our fear and feel safe, and we keep letting go and letting go and letting go of all the stuff we hold on to, the only thing that's left is love. So we elevate ourselves, in a sense, to a, a perspective that allows us to see the bigger picture and uh, see harmony where other people see only discord and... Um, that's the spiritual uh, result of personal uh, development work. It, it, the personal development always leads to the spiritual. And so you're going beyond pain control and healing, which is something the persona nature could do on its own, making some big, big life decisions uh, from that elevated perspective of, I would say, the soul on its own plane. And uh, oh. I, yeah, anchor into that because if you can manage pain and accelerate healing and and and, and, and make critical life decisions from that level, then you want to go back there. And, uh, and when you're not in pain and, and not suffering, make some more important life decisions on that level. Yeah, and I I have done that um, when I meditate now, and although I would tell everyone that I never meditated before this, before after my surgery and after that experience. I had always used self-hypnosis which is basically a form of meditation. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. The same thing. And um, so after that, I just meditate differently. Now, I, I, 
I meditate to go back there to that dark place where all that knowledge and love and awareness was. Yeah. And to do that, when I meditate and get to our, the safe place we all have, yeah. I, I clear my mind is completely cleared of thought, but also cleared of expectation. So yeah. no, no wants. Yeah, no, you, don't, you don't need anything when you have everything. Yes, and to just be in the joy. That's yeah. it. Just be there. Nice. All right, Diane, thank you so much. I appreciate you... Uh, being here this morning, and we'll talk to you at the uh, uh, video conference on Thursday then, too, right? Great. All righty. Thank you very much, and aloha. Thank you. Aloha. All right. Diane's in uh, Albuquerque and uh, is... Uh, huh. All right. And is also very active in the uh, Thursday night video conference. Check your newsletter for uh, for more on that. Zorap.com. Look at uh, some text questions from those of you who are listening live on the web today. Then we'll do a little visualization exercise. Uh, Canoga Park, Phil Jaffe is with us. He says, welcome back. And... Uh, Let's see, back to my usual Sunday routine, he says. And Carol Postel, thank you, Phil, for that. Carol Postel in La Habra says, um, sorry I didn't get to see you while you were here. Such a short visit, maybe next time. Carol, I didn't see anybody. I <laughs> was deliberate. It was just really a two-day layover after what was essentially a trip to Missouri. And uh, so I'm sorry I didn't see you, but... We may be coming back to L.A. Uh, on, uh, sooner rather than later. A trip here, a trip there. Um, let's see. Phil's got a couple of more messages here uh, about pain control, and he's surprised that it is as simple as it sounds. He's never, ever noticed how fast the pain goes away once you get to the doctor's or the dentist's office. Uh yeah, or a little a little child, uh, much the same way. You know, mommy says, "Let me kiss the boo boo," and that's all it takes, right? That that a little bit of attention, that little bit of love, that that little bit of comfort. You can provide that for yourself. You can kiss your own boo boo, and uh, <laughs> it really really makes a difference. You know, I started doing this at the dentist, and you feel so powerful after having done it, that um, you just begin to say to yourself, well, what else could I do? What else am I capable of doing if I can do this? Out of Irvine, California, Robert Fiegel says, Aloha, Michael. Uh, what's the best way to lower blood pressure naturally? Thanks. Have a magical week. Um, I've had a lot of luck personally with getting blood pressure down using uh, relaxation techniques, Robert. Um, it is one of the benefits that is so directly related to the fight-or-flight response that it tends to happen automatically anytime you meditate. Anytime you breathe, feel a letting go of muscular tension in your body from head to toe. And you can imagine then as you feel the muscles letting go, 
and you do the slow, deep breathing, that the capillaries are dilating. And as the capillaries dilate in response to the lessened muscular tension, the lessening of tension around them, then blood moves with less resistance. And uh, that's your blood pressure normalizing. That's the blood pressure reducing, in most cases, if we have high BP. Now, if you want to combine just any breathing and relaxation exercise with a visualization like that, um, that's fine. Uh, you could even uh, visualize uh, your doctor the next time you go in for a physical saying, hey, Robert, what would you do to get your blood pressure down? This is amazing. I mean, even visualizing some, uh, something like that can have a benefit. It uh, doesn't only have to be um, the physical body itself. And by the way, when we visualize on the body, it can be like a Gray's Anatomy print, you know, an illustration that is really accurate and detailed. Or it could be rather uh, cartoonish and um, stick figures and really simple flowcharts and such. And uh, Again, whatever is your frame of reference is just fine. It doesn't matter. There's no evidence that suggests that the, the more technically correct your your imagination is, the more effective the technique will be. Uh, quite to the contrary, children are especially good um, because it's all symbols. It's all symbolic. Let's see. Los Angeles, Virginia says, hello, Michael. Uh, yesterday I listened to an old podcast entitled Back to the Basics. And I found it very useful and timely for me. I'm weaning myself from antidepressants and should be clean by the end of the month. Uh, was wondering if you have any additional tips or comments. I'm doing yoga, meditation, introspection, etc. Thanks, P.S. I enjoyed the meeting on Thursday with much appreciation. Virginia, thanks, Virginia. Wow, well, yoga, meditation, introspection, I'd say that's a pretty good program. Um, and uh, getting off the antidepressants is uh, very uh, important also. Um, so just, you know, keep doing that. You have to work with a doctor when you get off these SRIs because they're very powerful. And as you know, I'm sure, they have to wean you a little bit at a time. Usually you go to a three-quarter dose and then a half dose. But... Um, some people are on two or three of these, and they get all mixed up in your system, and and uh, you need to be monitored by the same uh, uh, doctor that puts you on them, and then get off, and then instead of taking a drug to keep serotonin in your body longer, just generate more serotonin by meditating. Right. The drug company doesn't get the profit, but you get <laughs> you get the benefit. So anyway, Virginia, just keep doing that, and I'm glad you uh, liked Back to Basics. Um, Virginia's a new subscriber to our premium audio program, uh, the Finding Yourself in Paradise series that my business partner of 35 years, Steve Snyder, and I do. And uh, if you listen to this program, this podcast, and this webinar, you know this is all free. And 
our uh, uh, social net site, theagelesswisdom.ning.com is free, and the thirty uh, the Thursday night video conference is all free. And um, so, how do we do it? It's ninety nine cents a week for the premium audio, and if you can see your way clear to spend just under four dollars a month on these really great. Uh, premium audio programs that Steve and I do together, compelling conversation and guided meditation, like two for the for the for the price of one. I guess ninety nine cents a week is all that it costs at this point. Check it out at focusedpassion.com. Okay, help yourself. The W's dot focusedpassion.com and. Uh, at least get a free account. Leave your email and first name. You'll get half a dozen programs for free. And uh, if you like it, then uh, sign up. You can unsubscribe and resubscribe and unsubscribe as often as you want at focusedpassion.com. Thanks, Virginia. Appreciate that. That makes all of this possible. In Tucson, Lorelei Hatch, she's a subscriber. She gets it. She gets uh the Finding Yourself in Paradise series. She says, Aloha, Michael. Great topic. Uh, just what I... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> My screen just refreshed. Hold on, let me go back. Oh, how embarrassing. Just what I uh, needed dealing with stress headaches. Peace and love to you and Doreen. Yeah, whatever, however that headache occurs to you, Lorelai, whatever is your frame of reference, you know, it could be like somebody with a drill gun going in or a spring. That's one I was trying to remember, a spring that is wound too tight. Well, you just slowly unwind the spring and feel the relief and the release and the letting go and the headache, right? And if that headache is caused by a particular way of thinking, that might occur to you as you do this technique. But um, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Why does my screen keep refreshing? Um, let's see. Don in Apple Valley. Hey, Don. Haven't heard from you in a while. He says, happy to hear you again. Um, I've been off the net for a while and recently reconnected. Aloha to you and Doreen both. Thanks, Don. Nice to hear from you. Uh, John Bowles in Pittsburgh says, excellent class. Great to hear your voice. Peace and love to you and Doreen. Thanks, John. Nice to hear from you, buddy. And uh, Don in Albuquerque has left a uh, text message, too, and we heard uh, from her on the telephones. Let me go back to the telephones. See if there's any other hands. Star two on the telephone touchpad if you're on the phone and want to talk. Let's do a visualization exercise. Oh, I see Michael Quarterman is on the phone. And Michael, I wanted to thank you for your phone call and your concern that we were off for two weeks and you thought it was only going to be one. Um, that's a long story on how all that came down, but it's nice to see you here. And, um, and thanks for your concern about that. Michael's been a listener of my programs for a long, long time, huh? All right, let's do an exercise. Let's, you know, just practice. It's as easy as can be, so get nice and comfortable. And I want you to sit straight and erect. 
but not rigid. You're not a two-by-four. You're not a board. What you are is a human being who can create a sense of yourself as balanced and centered. I don't know if you've ever seen the, um, the toys that little children and infants are sometimes given. Well, not infants, but a little older, where uh, you have like um, a vertical dowel and that's mounted into a, a foundation or a, a bottom plate. And then the child has to stack these concentric circles on that vertical dowel in, in sort of a Christmas tree shape, ideally. Well, that idea of all these disks, um, sort of like the spine, Dan was talking about spines this morning, that idea of just being centered, of being stacked like a snowman or centered is a feeling I want you to get. And you can sit back and allow the chair to support you or just sit free. But again, don't think of yourself as rigid. Think of yourself as balanced. And move your awareness into your body. And feel around inside your body. Some of you do this all the time. To some of us, we need to be reminded that we live in our heads and need to come down inside the body once in a while. Dancing brings you into your body. Sports brings you into your body. Swimming always brought me into my body. Music sometimes brings me down into my center. And I feel myself in my body and feel the letting go, feel the relaxation. And take two or three slow, deep breaths, pulling in strength and power as you inhale through the nose. As you exhale, feel the letting go. And then it's a good idea just to anchor yourself in a place of perfect peace, like a garden or a wilderness paradise, and imagine sitting upon the earth just as you sit now upon a chair or a a cushion of some sort, the sofa. Imagine that you're actually, with your eyes closed, sitting in this beautiful garden, a paradise or a wilderness. And feel yourself being supported by the earth and attracted and grounded to the earth by gravity, pulling you gently toward the center of the earth, but also electrically grounded into the earth. And at the very top of your head, at the crown, imagine a connection that goes vertically, aspiring to your spiritual self, and non-physical spaces, regions, planes, or spheres of existence. So that you're sort of like a battery that's grounded 
at the base of the spine while the very top of your head is connected to the sky. You're like a battery with two polarities hooked to sky and ground, the spirit and matter. And feel yourself being recharged. Imagine even a beautiful light coming down on the vertical into your head and filling your body. And if you have an area of concern where you're experiencing any discomfort or pain due to illness or injury, imagine sending that beautiful colored light directly to that area of concern. If you wish, each time you exhale, you can breathe that light directly into the area of concern and see it improving. If it's swollen, you see it being reduced. If it's discolored, you see it returning to its natural color. If something hasn't been working, you see it working. If you had kidney stones, you'd see them passing out and feel the letting go. Whatever your illness or injury, move always in a progressive direction, finishing with perfect natural health. This is my birthright, you say. And in a general sense, imagine your body filled with light, vital, energized, every cell in your body rejuvenated and vitalized, animated and illumined by an energy that feels safe and warm, peaceful and loving. Imagine bathing or luxuriating in this peace, this degree of safety and comfort. And saying to yourself, I am healthy and strong. And I'm getting better and better every day in every way. Inhale now, a nice, big, slow, deep breath. Hold for a moment and exhale slowly now, opening your eyes wide awake now. Eyes open, wide awake, back in the room, feeling fine, all refreshed and rested and healed. I've been healed, feeling better and better. Uh, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to back out of here. Uh, thanks very much for being here. Again, go to FocusedPassion.com and be a subscriber today for Less than $4 a month. You get four. Some months you even get five premium audio programs. If you like these shows, you're going to love what Steve and I do together. There's an ED in there. It's focusedpassion.com. And subscribe for just $0.99 cents a week. Build monthly. Unsubscribe anytime you'd like. And listen for us on the podcast and tell your friends. Hopefully, we'll see you Thursday night at the video conference. All of the details are in your newsletter. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. Aloha from Maui. 
This is Michael Benner. <laughs>